What's going on, Renaissance? My name is Jordan Rice, one of the pastors. In today's message, we're talking about how does faith or how do people who live by faith respond to loss? And I'm going to be looking at a number of very common losses that all of us are experiencing right now in this pandemic. And my hope is that as we talk about these losses, we'll give them a name and will help us to better understand where we're at and how we can be people who live by faith and respond well to challenges that are right ahead of us. But I'm also painfully aware that there are some people who are not just experiencing these common losses, they're experiencing a very personal, a very painful, and a very acute loss in the loss of a loved one. I've been on the phone with multiple people this past week who have lost someone, and on top of the pain of loss, they're also now trying to figure out how do you grieve when you're not supposed to hug anyone that doesn't live in your household? How do you plan a funeral service when you're not supposed to gather in groups of larger than 10. No doubt about it, this is a extremely difficult moment for a lot of people. And for you, Renaissance, I want a number of things. I want us to be a people who are committed to prayer and praying for people. And for those of you who are experiencing that, that real pain, I want you to know that if you don't take away anything from today and you're still confused, you're still angry, you're still hurt, then just know that Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. I lost my late wife to cancer about nine years ago, and I didn't think I would ever see a day where I could stand in front of a camera and say those words, but Jesus is someone we can take at his words. Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Now, if you're not experiencing those painful and acute and significant sharp losses, then I really think today's message is gonna be helpful for you to be a people, that Renaissance would be a people of endurance, uh, who live by faith and respond well to life's inevitable challenges with some really practical insights on how we can be people who respond well to this moment we're in. I hope that today is helpful. So Father, we thank you for, for moments, uh, moments that we have a chance to connect, albeit digitally. But Lord, I pray that in this moment, we'd be able to connect with you personally and in a, in a real way. So bless us in this time. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Uh, I'm going through withdrawal to not have sports these days, and I've been going through the archives of old ESPN 30 for 30s and just been thinking a whole lot about different uh, sports and different events and can't wait until uh, some of these things return. Uh, but I was thinking about something that, uh, a quote that's extremely profound that came from a pretty unlikely source, uh, Iron Mike Tyson. Before one of his biggest fights, reporters and interviewers were asking him, hey, Mike, when you get in the ring tomorrow, what are you going to do uh, with this opponent? And this guy, he goes left and right a lot, and he makes a lot of different moves, different than uh, other opponents that you might have had in the past. And Mike Tyson looked at the reporter and said, listen, I don't know what's going to happen. Everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Now, everybody has a plan. Everybody knows what they're going to do until they get into the ring of life and they get hit in the mouth. What Mike is telling us is everybody has a plan about what our life is gonna look like, what they'll do in any given circumstance, and that plan that you have is good only up until the point that life hits you in the mouth. Uh, it's how you and I re react and respond to situations of adversity that really determine and define us. It's not the adversity itself, it's how you and I react and we respond. I had a lot of plans for what I was gonna be doing during this time of, of distance. 
I was gonna read a lot of books, I was gonna cook a whole lot more, I was gonna work out, uh, I was gonna get closer to my family, and by the grace of God, some of those things have happened, but certainly not, not everything. I had a plan for how I would feel about God and how I would feel about myself uh, in this time. And then life hit me. When life hits, whether it's this pandemic or something else, the way that we thought we were gonna handle something just doesn't go the way we, we thought it was gonna go. Now, last week uh, in uh, our first message, talking about faith in a time of crisis, what we talked about is having the right expectations about what life owes us, uh, what we should expect from life. And there's a scripture that Jesus promises us all that at some point in your life, you're gonna get hit in the mouth. Maybe this pandemic is not as difficult on you as it is on some others, but at some point in this life, life is going to hit you in the mouth. Here's what Jesus says in John 16 and 33. He says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. You will have suffering in this world, but be courageous. I have conquered the world. Now, right now, there's a lot of people who are experiencing this suffering. Right now, a lot of people are experiencing their plans unraveling because they're getting hit in the mouth. Now, Dr. Henry Cloud is a psych psychologist, and he listed a number of uh, really important ways that people are experiencing uh, pain right now. Uh, a lot of ways that you and I are experiencing this, this punch from the pandemic. Now, I think it's really helpful that we have a name and we can identify the, the areas in our life uh, that we are experiencing this, this pain and this punch so that as we are experiencing this moment, we could be people who live by faith and respond in the right way to the moment that we are in. To be a person who lives by faith means that you and I can react and respond in a way that honors God, is life-giving, and is faithful, that we can be people who live by faith. But the first thing is that you and I realize what it is that we are experiencing, and uh, we can give some names to it. So Dr. Cloud names uh, five different ways that you and I are experiencing this punch. The first one is in the loss of our connections the loss of our connections. People that you're used to seeing, you don't see them anymore. Certainly not in person anymore as much. Uh, people that you're used to seeing at the gym, on the way to work, people at your office, even people that you didn't even like before, now you miss them because we're all experiencing a loss of connections. I've been thinking about this a lot and probably the thing that hits me the hardest is I, I can't see my family, and my, my friends. I was talking to a member of Renaissance um, over uh, on Instagram the other day, and we were talking about, I, I really wish that I would have known the last time that we gathered here in person, I wish I knew that it was gonna be the last time for a while, because I would have just stayed around until five or 6 p.m. hugging and talking to everybody. And right now, I'm experiencing a loss of connections. And it's really important, uh, connections are really important because they are in essence, the foundation of human life. Who you are, how you understand yourself, is really in relation to other people. So the way I understand myself is uh, Gail and Roger's son, Jared's brother, Jessica's husband, Jameson and Josiah's dad, and friend to, 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 to many people. And the way I see myself is through the lens of my connections. And that same thing is true for you. Now to experience a loss of those connections is painful. And it does us no good to pretend like that's not painful, like it doesn't exist, but just to give uh, some name to it. Um, connections are 
a vital part. Now, certainly we want to do our part to maintain these connections as much as possible uh, at a place, in a way that's physically safe. So for a lot of us, this, this means uh, FaceTimes with, with family and friends. I haven't FaceTimed this many people in my entire life. Uh, I FaceTimed more people this past week than I have in the past year combined uh, because we want to do our job to stay connected. Uh, here, here's one other thing that I've uh, noticed. In speaking to mental health professionals, what they're actually advocating is that we change the phrase from social distancing to physical distancing. We don't need to disconnect socially, but we definitely do need to disconnect physically to stop the spread. So even as you're thinking about these things, uh, to try to maintain our connections as much as possible while still acknowledging it's hard. It's just hard to not have connections to people that you want to have connection with. Now, another big one is a loss of structure. Uh, I was, you know, these memes are keeping me alive, y'all, if I'm, if I'm gonna keep it all the way live. Uh, someone tweeted, right now there's only three days of the week, yesterday, today, and tomorrow. I don't even know what day it is half of the time um, because what we're experiencing now is a loss of structure. No, no longer do I have a Monday to Friday work week in order to do things. No longer do I have a Sunday gathering uh, filled with my Renaissance family to anchor my week. Now every day just kind of feels the same. And to lose structure is a loss. Uh, one of the reasons God gave us days and nights and seasons is because structure really calms our brains down and it lets us know what we can expect next. One of the things that I didn't think I would miss uh, at all uh, that I missed probably the most are Sunday evening conversations with Jessica, my wife, where we would talk about the week ahead and we would plan the dinners and who's going to babysit this night and when we would go do this and when we would have this activity just to put structure in our week. And now it's all one rolling um, thing uh, that every day kind of just feels the same and we're, we, we've lost in a lot of ways our structure. Now, another loss that we are experiencing right now is a loss of choices, and that loss of choices feels like a loss of control. Life for us is filled with so many choices, or life certainly had, up until a few weeks ago, so many choices ahead of us, and uh, most people I know would spend an hour just on, on Netflix uh, trying to find that one show that they're looking forward to watching. And imagine if you were to go to Netflix right now and there were two shows on. Like, imagine how disorienting that would be if there was, like, it's either Tiger King, you know, or old, you know, or old Eddie Murphy stand-up comedy. Like, if, if you only had two choices, imagine how unfruitful it would feel, or imagine how, like, would you continue to pay your $8.99 a, a month for Netflix if it was only two choices? If, if they took away all those choices from you, it wouldn't be something as satisfying as, is, as it is now. Now, most of us right now are experiencing a loss of choices, uh, this past week, my wife and I said on Saturday, we're going to give each other time away from the children. And, you know, it's a luxury to have uh, any hour away. And single parents, you guys are on my heart um, for not having time or an ability to get away from your children right now if you wanted to. But we're going to have three hours apiece to get away from the kids. And I stepped outside and I was like, yes, I'm free. And I don't, I don't know where I'm going to go. So I walked and got uh, a bagel from my favorite bagel place, Absolute Bagels, on 106 and Broadway. But then all of the other choices that I would have taken before when I was free, I couldn't do. I couldn't go to the movies because those are closed. I couldn't go to the barber to get a shave because he's closed. 
I couldn't go to the gym. I couldn't go hang out with one of my friends. I couldn't go hang out with my parents. I couldn't go see my brother. All of these choices have been taken away from me. And to lose your ability to, to choose so many things that we're comfortable and wanting to choose feels like a loss of control. Now, another big loss Dr. Cloud talks about is a loss of competency, which is essentially that you and I are hardwired to do things and to get things done. God has, uh, for those of us who have uh, the ability to, uh, to, to, to do things that we've been able to do for the last number of weeks and months and years before this, a lot of us are experiencing like a sudden drop where the things that you want to get done, you, you can't get done. And a lot of us are in different work meetings remotely and we're getting some things done. But here's one thing I found to be probably the wildest thing about this time of isolation and distancing. I clean the kitchen now like twice a day. Like I do the dishes, like I, I race my wife to see who's gonna do the work, who's gonna clean the kitchen, because it's the, I found it's the one thing that I can like do and complete and look at and say, hey, I did that. Now, it only took a, a global pandemic to get me to do the dishes consistently, but that's one thing that I'm sure my wife is not complaining about. So we've lost our connections, our structure, uh, our, our sense of control, uh, our sense of being able to accomplish things. Um, and the other thing that we've lost really is the function of our body. Now, what happens in times of crisis are all of, these, all of this adrenaline rushing into our brains, and that fight-or-flight instinct kicks into us. And so many of us right now are experiencing this, this adrenaline pent up in our bodies. And what happens, when that's, what happens when you have so much adrenaline in your body is you go into this mode of fight or flight and you lose creativity and the ability to think clearly. So if you feel cloudy in, in your thoughts, uh, just know that it's this crisis. So we have all of these things that we're losing. And for many of us, we've lost all five at the same time. So then, with all of these punches rolling at us because of this pandemic, how should we respond? Here's a couple of ways that people respond um, uh, during this time. One is people just kind of deny it. And religious people and Christians are really good at this. And we cloak it under this banner of faithfulness, but it's really just an act of denial. What happens are Christians rush to this conclusion that God is in control. And as soon as people mention anything negative, we go right to this point of insisting that, yes, God is in control, and I firmly believe that God is in control. But what happens is we don't give ourselves space to sit in the ashes a little bit and to think about the moment that we are in. We are in a crazy time, an extremely difficult moment in life, and I don't want anybody to rush to this conclusion that God is in control before we sit in the moment of where we are and acknowledge uh, where we are as a people, as a city, um, individually and personally as well. Now, some of us deny where we are, and others of us avoid where we are. Now, you can avoid where you are in a lot of different ways. Uh, one of these ways is through overindulgence. Overindulging in alcohol, overindulging in Netflix, overindulging in things, just so you can escape the moment. Now, I'm, I'm a big fan of trying to put things in place that are helpful and things we can look forward to. And again, I watched Tiger King like in two days. I'm not, I'm not an anti-Netflix person, but we have to be careful that we don't use anything to escape our reality. So I don't want you denying it, and I don't want you uh, trying to avoid it. So how are we, if we're gonna live by faith, how should we respond? Well, scripture gives us some different ways that we can be people who live by faith and respond faithfully to God uh, in this moment. To respond to, in faith is something much different 
than denying and avoiding because faith is this deliberate confidence in the character of God whose ways we may not understand all of the time. Uh, Last week we defined faith as this. Faith is confidence in the character of God. And if we are confident in the character of God, then how would that lead us to live? Or how should we respond to these moments? And a couple of things that I think we should do. Number one, we should focus on grieving well. Grieving well. One thing I think American Christianity doesn't do so well is grief and experience loss. And to not rush to any conclusion or to avoid it, but to, but to grieve. There's a scripture in 1 Thessalonians 4 and 13 where Paul says this, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, concerning those who are asleep. He's talking about people who have passed away. And here's a line about grief that I want everybody to get. So that you will not grieve like the rest who have no hope. What's Paul saying? He's saying that to be a faithful Christian doesn't mean that you don't grieve. It means that you grieve differently than people with no hope. So he's presenting two different options. There's two ways to grieve. There's a way that you grieve with, with no hope, which leads to despair, which believes that God is absent and that everything you're going through right now is meaningless. That's grieving with no hope. Grieving with hope says that God is with me, trusting in his character over the ages, and everything I'm experiencing right now is not meaningless. Everything has a purpose. God is working all things together for the good of those who love him and who are the called according to his purpose. So Paul is, scripture does not tell us not to grieve. It tells us, blessed are those who grieve, for they will be comforted. Blessed are those who grieve and, and, and mourn, for they shall be comforted. Uh, you and I need to learn what it means to grieve well. Now, here's how I want you to grieve this week. Um, I want you to list all of the losses that you're experiencing. So whether it's in your connections, your structure, your competency, uh, whatever it is that you feel like you are experiencing, whatever loss it is, and I want you to write those things down, and I want you to acknowledge those losses. I don't want you to rush past them. I want you to feel the loss in the moment. For me, uh, it really is something that is difficult to think about not being able to be with the people I love the most. And to lose that connection with my family, my friends, it, it hurts. It, like, it really hurts. And I don't think it's unfaithful to say, God, you know, this just hurts. Whatever it is, your, your experience right now, to grieve that connection, the loss, or whatever it is that, that you're experiencing losing, write it down and bring it to bef- before God. Here's how people in Scripture have done it. Uh, Job, in Job 1, 20 and 21, here's what Job says. It says, then Job stood up, tore his robe, and shaved his head. He fell to the ground, and then he worshiped, saying, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will leave this life. The Lord gives, and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, Job did two things. One, he tore his robe, and he he shaved his head, and he was there in the moment. He didn't pretend like the losses he was experiencing didn't happen. He fully sat in that moment. And then he turned that pain and he took it to God. And he acknowledged, acknowledged and embraced his limitations. Naked I came into this world. I came into this world with nothing. And naked I will return. And his declaration of faith is, blessed be the name of the Lord. For some of you this week, I just want you to write down your losses. And then I want you to quote Job 1, 20 through 21. And quote it until you believe it. Naked I came into this world. Naked I will leave. Blessed be the Lord gives and the Lord takes away.
Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, the second thing I think we need to do in order to be people who grieve well, to be people who will live by faith, uh, we need to refuse worry. We need to really refuse worry. And we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, how fruitless of an exercise worry is. But I want to give a little bit more context to how we can really combat worry. Uh, One of the best ways that I know how to do it is you and I need to be people who get stuff out of us. And if we're constantly worrying, it might be a sign that we haven't yet labeled the the emotions and the feelings where we're feeling. So here's what I want you to do uh, for worry. I want you to get a piece of paper and divide it in two columns. On the left side, I want you to write all of the things that you're worrying about that you cannot control, right? Which is basically everything the news is talking about. Everything that you're worrying about right now that you cannot control. I want you to write those things down and I want you to spend 10 minutes experiencing all the negative emotions about those things. For me, that list looks like, uh, will, will we have enough ventilators? Uh, will doctors have to make tough decisions on who dies and who lives based on the amount of ventilators available? Will more healthcare workers die because they don't have enough protective gear? Now, I don't have money, resources, to address either one of those issues. I'm just happy during this pandemic that student loans payments have stopped for a couple of months. So I can't do anything about these things that I'm worrying about. So what would it profit me to worry about things that I can't control? So spend, write that list down and spend 10 minutes experiencing those emotions and grieving those things that you cannot control. And then I want you to, on a second column, list the things that you can control, right? So you can establish more structure in your day. Uh, you can reach out to people on FaceTime or, or on Zoom. You can do these things. And I want you to experience some small wins by scheduling these things in and being intentional about that. And for those worries that you have, I want you to read Matthew 6, 25 through uh, the end of the verse, end of the chapter where Jesus tells us and talks to us about worry. He says, therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Consider the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you, more, aren't you worth more than they? Can you add one moment to your lifespan by worrying? And why do you worry about clothes? Look at the wild flowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was adorned like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you, you of little faith? Uh, The third thing I want us to do this week, so I want us to grieve well, I want us to refuse worry, and I want us to remember God's time-tested character. I want us to remember God's time-tested character character. Now, it's vital that you and I do not lose perspective of the grand narrative of the story of Scripture, that many times there were men and women who were deeply worried and concerned, and in each circumstance, God proves himself to be faithful, to be present, and that all the while, God was working something out in their lives. In the middle of great pain and loss and suffering, God was was present. God was there. In Joshua 4, God commanded his people to do something that, so that they would always remember uh, that he was with them and that he was powerful and that he loved them. In Joshua 4, it says this, 
after the entire nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord spoke to Joshua, choose 12 men from the people, one man for each tribe, and command them, take 12 stones from this place in the middle of the Jordan where the priests are standing, carry them with you, and set them down at a place where you spend the night. So Joshua summoned the 12 men he had selected from the Israelites, one man for each tribe, and said to them, go across to the ark of the Lord your God in the middle of the Jordan. Each of you lift a stone onto your shoulder, one for each Israelite tribe, so that this will be a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask, what do these stones mean to you? You should tell them, the water of the Jordan was cut off in the front of the ark of the Lord's covenant. When it crossed the Jordan, the Jordan's water was cut off. Therefore, these stones will always be a memorial for the Israelites. Here's what uh, God was coming to God's people in Joshua. Uh, here's how he was coming to them. He wanted them to remember his faithfulness to them. He knew that there would be moments that they would be prone to worry, prone to try to deny things, their reality, trying to avoid their reality. And instead of doing that, he wanted them to remember his character, his faithfulness, and his power and his love. And you and I need to do that uh, all throughout our weeks and our days to make sure that we are remembering God's faithfulness to us, especially at times when we don't understand what's going on. Now, if there's nothing else that we can think about that would give us hope um, and that we can remember that God has done for us personally in our lives, or uh, if there's nothing else we can think about, we can always think about and focus in on the cross, which is God's statement to us that regardless of how things look, sometimes God is working the greatest miracle in the midst of the greatest adversity. And in those moments, when we look at Jesus on the cross, we can see his love for us, his care for us, and his power to work things out, even in a situation that looked quite bleak and impossible to overcome. Uh, there's a story about uh, Northwest Airlines Flight 225, which crashed uh, a couple of minutes after it took off, killing 155 people on board. But one person survived, a four-year-old girl named Cecilia from Arizona. She survived because even as the plane was falling, her mother, Paula Chikan, unbuckled her own seatbelt, wrapped herself around her daughter, and as the plane crashed, she absorbed all of the trauma and the hit, and her daughter lived. Now, scripture tells us that you and I were on uh, a plane that was crashing called sin, and that Jesus Christ, God himself, came down, wrapped himself around us, and he absorbed everything that was meant to harm us on the cross. And by him absorbing God's wrath, the, our punishment, our sin, all of these things, you and I can have life. That's what God did for us on the cross. Paul says like this in Romans 8, he says, For I am persuaded that neither life, that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. You and I need to fight to remember God's love for us through Christ and to know that nothing will separate us from that. Let me pray for us. Uh, God, help us to, to grieve well this week. Help us to refuse to worry and help us to remember your goodness and your faithfulness to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.